0: Carmel Gibson here again to welcome you to the February edition of Clunegall Kildavon Veteran Players Community Podcast Chatterbox Y21. This time you'll be hearing from Sheila Kerwin. Sheila is well known in many community groups in Clunegall and Kildavon. Her organisational skills are much in demand and she has assisted at many community-based events over many years. She is best known for her culinary and catering skills and for being instrumental in facilitating first aid and CPR training in the community. Sheila, you are very welcome. Sheila, everyone knows you in this community, but tell us about yourself. Uh, Thank you, Carmel. Uh, Carmel, I'm a local.
1: I grew up in Gary Haston, Clonagall. My maiden name was Redmond, and I went to Clonagall National School and SCJ Convent. Um, I went on then to do my nurse training at Jervis Street Hospital and later to do my midwifery at the Coombe. I worked then at Gory District Hospital for about a year and a half and then I took some time out when having my four children. But I went back to work then doing locum duties for the public health nurses from 1979 onwards, covering holidays, sick leave, maternity leave, etc. And then in 1990, I started to work in Carnew Day Centre, which has a vibrant day centre with a big catchment area and also sheltered housing for older people with 28 houses. I, I retired in
0: 2017 from my nursing career and now I'm enjoying a happy retirement. Very good, Sheila. You've had a very varied career so to date, and you're very much in demand, as we know, and I suppose you've never been busier. But you're a godsend to many groups in the community, Sheila, always willing, of course, to help out. You know, in an age when willing volunteers are becoming a rare species, what if it motivates you to doing what you do and being willing to do it? Well, Carmel,
1: I enjoy it. And I think it's good to give back to your community. And I have grown up in this area and lived here for most of my life. And this community has been really good to me throughout my life, so it's time to give back. And I always feel it is in giving that we receive. That's very true, Sheila, very true.
0: You are synonymous, I suppose, foremost with first aid training and CPR training. What generates that particular enthusiasm, and how important is it, do you feel, in the community? Carmel, I think it's hugely important, actually.
1: And I was very lucky to know wonderful volunteers who were first responders in the Carnew area. And they all were trained and certified through the Irish Heart Foundation. And I have always had a great respect for the Irish Heart Foundation and the work that they do in promoting heart health. I am very aware of heart health as my father died suddenly from a cardiac arrest when I was 19 years old. So it had a huge effect on our family. So, um, Carmel, I would like to tell you a little bit about uh, the history of our CPR and AED. And CPR is cardiopulmonary resuscitation and AED are the automated external defibrillators. So I'll just give you a little bit of the history of them. Um, Until 1990, cardiopulmonary resuscitation was not recognised as being very important. In earlier centuries, Carmel, should you have been the unlucky person to have a cardiac arrest, you would have been flailed with stinging nettles to try to revive you. And then back in the 1500s, bellows were used to pump air into people's lungs. But sadly, Carmel, it wouldn't have helped you, I'm afraid to say. So, the Sylvester method was invented in the 19th century and that was a method where the victim's arms were taken over their chests and brought back down over, over their heads and back down over their chest to try and get air into the lungs not very successful either. So the CPR method we use today is the preferred technique since the 1960s and it can double or triple a person's chance of survival. In 1947, the first successful defibrillation of a human heart happened when a cardiac surgeon successfully resuscitated a 14-year-old boy during heart surgery for a congenital heart defect. But he managed to um, uh, to pump his heart with little paddles. Now, his chest was open, so it was open heart surgery. But that was the first time a heart was defibrillated because the heart had gone into abnormal rhythm. And that made worldwide news at the time. In 1965, a Belfast, a Belfast cardiologist, Frank Pantridge, invented the first portable defibrillator. And the next advancement came 13 years later when the first automated defibrillator, or AED as we now know them, was invented which meant that people other than medical personnel could now perform the procedure and that was a game changer for everybody. So the Irish Heart Foundation was established in 1966 and they offered three programmes, Learn to Save a Life. They set out to meet the needs of communities and healthcare staff. Then in 1992, the HSC or the Health Service Executive began, it was probably known as the Southeastern Health Board at that time or something. But anyway, they began employing resuscitation training officers. And from 1996 to 2000, most hospitals had these staff in, installed in place. And then in 2006, the Irish Heart Foundation began work on developing strong relationships with all who were interested in resuscitation. And CPR is taught now to almost 200,000 students annually in Ireland through the schools, which is amazing, it's wonderful. And there are 10,000 AEDs all over Ireland and over 200 groups active nationally. And I'm happy to say that there are four AED machines between Clonnygall and Kildavan. And one at Conway's pub in Kildavan one at the GAA Club in Kildavan one at Johnny Dunn's pub in Clonnygall and one at Murphy Transport in Monachram, Paul Murphy's. And uh, these machines are regularly checked by local volunteers who look after them. And the machines then are serviced regularly as well. I think um, Service is the company now that uh, services them. So my role is really to organise the CPR and AED training. And we call it Hands of Life for local people who wish to learn to do compressions and basic life support and the use of the machine. And we started the training in 2013 and the trainers were all first responders and were certified by the Irish Heart Foundation. And since 2013, approximately 75 people have trained in CPR and AED and many of the volunteers from that time in 2013 continue to this day which is wonderful and they update every two years and the course is valid for two years and has to be repeated then to keep your skills up to date and in 2023 uh, last year we had 18 people did the Hands of Life training And six people went on to do the more advanced course, which is um, certified by the Irish Heart Foundation. And this month, um, in February, we had 15 people completed Hands of Life training in Clonagall. Our trainer for the past two years has been Danny Horton from the Ambulance Service. And the Hands of Life course just takes two hours and the certified course is four hours. So it doesn't take a lot of time.
0: No, it doesn't. But yeah. now, how now, if we had an emergency, Sheila, in the community or in any community, how do we contact the people who are in that position that they are Hands of Life trainees?
1: Um, if you come across a person, you dial 999 or 111. Well, the first of all, you have to... Um, go to them and see, are they responding? If they're responding to you, you don't need the machine. But there is no, no response when you shake their shoulders. You, you dial 999 or 911. If you're with somebody, send them for the A D machine. But once you dial 999 or 911, the ambulance service have our machines on their computer. So they know, they know that there's a that the machines are there you know yeah so the first thing you do you must send dial 999 and send somebody for the AD machine and then you start compressions but make sure the scene is safe you have to like if you find somebody who is lying in water you have to like this is all covered in the course so you make sure the scene is safe and then you look for the emergency services you send for the A machine and you start compressions
0: And have these machines been used in our community? Oh yes, they have, yeah, they have been used. And they're a vital part of community life as we know it now.
1: Well, they're a vital part of the chain of survival because without the machines, compressions will keep you alive for so long but you need the machine to shock your heart back into normal rhythm. What happens when people collapse, their heart goes into an abnormal rhythm so the machine shocks it into normal rhythm. And, you know, people recover then when their hearts are shocked.
0: And from speaking to you in the early part of this interview, Sheila, you said about your nursing training. Have you found that that has been an integral part to your interest in broadening your kind of nursing capabilities or your contribution back into the community? Oh, yes.
1: Yes, very much, Carmel. But, you know, when I was doing my training, CPR wasn't considered so I had to learn it like everybody else and go and do the courses and everything and you know everyone has that fear when they don't go to do a course and that's what I'd love to get out to the people everybody feels a little bit of fear when they do it first or when they go to the first training session but you have a, a trainer there you have all the mannequins on the floor that you work on and as our trainer says to her we don't expect you to come to perform miracles all we want you to do are chest compressions and use the machine. You just have to do two things now you can do breaths, but that all comes into the training. but the most important thing are compressions. turn on the a a d machine, and the machine tells you what to do.
0: Very good. what is your message, Sheila, to people who are wondering uh, should this be should they do this training? Can you give them some pointers as to how they might get involved um
1: well. We will be running ongoing courses, Um, I'm hopeful to have another course this year within the next few months. So if anybody's interested, we'd love to have you on board. It's two hours, maybe on a Saturday, mostly on a Saturday, and you will leave that hall feeling a lot more better prepared to look after somebody who collapses beside you. It's always better to be prepared you know for
0: situations. yes for any that. situation so you will have the advertising in various oh, publications yes, yes. Like our own newsletter for yes. instance the parish newsletter yes. the papers etc yes yeah or they can contact me directly there's no problem is there anything you would like to say to the people and organizations who put the actual defibrillators there is there a sense of gratitude yes. to the efforts they made
1: yes indeed I I think they have had great foresight in getting these um, machines I have great respect for them, and I think they've done great work. And most of the people that have done it have had to fundraise to buy the machines, which are, you know, they're probably twelve or fourteen hundred, maybe more, maybe two thousand now. So I would say a big thank you to them, and um, they're a great group of volunteers. And they continue to um, check the machines and look after them and make sure
0: that they're updated and serviced regularly. So you'll be all encouraging to people, you know, to consider maybe becoming yeah. a hands-on yes. person when it comes to using defibrillators. And the door is always open there for anybody that may be interested in Absolutely. actually joining Absolutely. The more people, the better. The, more people the better. Very good. We're going to move on to another area of your life, Sheila. You don't have just one string, as we know, to your bow. You, your culinary and cooking skills are legendary. It, and it's no secret that you're catering for the annual turkey truck, which we always look forward to every St. Stephen's Day here in the parish, attracts as many people as the opportunity to walk itself. Your exhibition of traditional cooking skills at the Kildavon Heritage Day last summer is still being talked about. What is the great interest in cooking you two have as well, Sheila?
1: Well, Carmel, um, I'd say my interest in cooking um, happened when I was in primary school. When I was in primary school, fifth and sixth class girls learned kukri and sewing. And I had a wonderful teacher, Mrs. Grant, mother of the present Margaret Grant in our village. And she taught us um, kukri. I think it was two classes every week. Well, I just absolutely loved it. And she was a wonderful woman. She taught us how to make scones. She taught us how to chop parsley. She taught us how to make stew. She did so much, and I think that's really where I, I got my love for it. And also, of course, my mother was a good cook. So, you know, I think I probably learned a bit from her, too. As well.
0: Yeah. And what would you like to share any of those recipes, Sheila, with us? Perhaps a few things most of us could master if we put our mind to it. What do you think are the basic kind of culinary skills we all should be able to do, no matter what our age is? Yeah. Well, Carmel,
1: I think everybody should learn to make soup. If you can make one soup, you can make every soup. And it's a very simple process. Um, you sweat your vegetables and use a good stock. And once you do that, you'll have an amazing soup. So learn to one soup recipe. And once you learn one, you can do them all. So that's easy.
0: That's very easy. Yeah. Do you think yeah. is it practical for young families to take time out to cook in the way that you would... Or has has styles changed, has, you know, kind of people's busy lives dictated otherwise?
1: Yeah, Yes, Carmel, yes. Um, You see, I think the middle aisles of supermarkets have made us all a little lazy. And um, I would, if any bit of advice I'd give to people, stay out of the middle aisles. Do your shopping on the outside aisles where the fresh food is, the fresh products. Stay away from the processed food. And try and cook from scratch at least a few days a week, you know. I mean, convenience food is all okay, but it's not healthy for you really, you know. And I know people are very kind of time poor, but you have to prioritize what is important in your life.
0: But I think Shirley, you epitomise good food and good health. I mean, you're certainly somebody that exercises quite a lot, has great interest in the outdoors, that has a particular business now at the moment in your your orchard and making juices. So I think you know your interest right along has been for fresh produce, good produce, good eating, healthy living. Would you agree with that? Ah oh,
1: yes, Carmel. Yeah, I would. I would try to eat healthily most of the time, but I. Do like my sweet stuff too so you know there's a balance there for everybody.
0: Your yeah. generosity with your time Sheila and the skills to your community is widely appreciated and your willingness to take time out to do this interview is very much appreciated by the veteran players group. What would you say to people who might be willing to help out in their communities but are not sure where to start and f- there's a fear of being overwhelmed? I would say just go for it and find
1: something that you like doing. Find so and if you have an interest, follow that interest and just make contact with somebody. For example, I mean just you mentioned the turkey trot. We have probably it takes twenty to thirty people to to actually get the turkey trot running on the day. And we're always open for volunteers in all of that, but I'm sure there are opportunities in dra- in the drama group. There's opportunities in all the clubs in the parish for volunteers, and I would think they'd be more than welcome in any uh, club or activity that's happening. You know, we'd love to have more volunteers in in our
0: uh, ladies committee. Anyway, I would say. But yeah. so, Sheila, you are the ladies committee, and you spearhead a very excellent, efficient, and welcoming committee, and we're always very thankful of every aspect of your culinary skills, your cooperation, and any time you're asked, you're, you are very, very obliging. We're going to go back now to sport, because I know sport plays a huge part in your life. You, you, you way back in the day, and you can maybe fill us in with a few details here, of marrying a very prominent footballer, uh, back in the in the 70s, would it be right Sheila, maybe I'm going a little bit too far back now, And and your love of sport has come through your children, and now going into your grandchildren, and, and the love of sport in the general area. Can just, you elaborate on that maybe a little bit? Yes,
1: further. Carmel, yes. Well, I've always been interested in sport, and I played camogie myself. And, of course, then, yes, Joe played football for the famous Kildavan Club and won a few county finals in his day. And in 1970 and 73, I think it was, that he was on those teams. And, of course, then... Our own family, and my own children are into the sport, so definitely. And now my grandchildren. So I would really have a great interest in following them and encouraging them. Because I do feel when children are involved in sport, it helps them develop in so many ways. You know, they have to learn to lose as, to well, as well as to win. And those are important things in life. You're not always going to be a winner, but you have to try every day you go out. To do the
0: best you can. So it's not just the sport and and developing a skill, it's the life skills you learn along the way. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And
0: Sheila, you're you're a great supporter, you know, especially I suppose in GA circles, you know, primarily. Uh, And and the club means a lot to you, I take it. Huge, huge. I just,
1: I am so pleased to see the club growing in strength from year to year. And it really gives me great. Uh, kind of happiness to see all of the young parents so involved now I mean going back 30 years it was all left to poor Eamon Whelan or Ben Mulhall you know and now you have all the parents so many of them involved in the training and in the coaching and so committed you know and and that's wonderful for the club and I, I feel it's going from strength to strength for that
0: reason you know and we're going to go back now, Sheila, a little bit more back to your business, your your new venture into, um, creating, uh, juices. Can you elaborate on that for us a little bit? Because it's something I only came across, very kind of um, accidentally um, at Christmas time. Uh, I in a after surgery, and we got in a hamper, and there was, uh, juices by Sheila Kerman, and I said, "Wow, what's happening here?" So can you just fill us in a little bit on that new venture, Sheila? Yes, uh, Carmel, I have a great. Love for my garden.
1: I love my garden, and Joe is a good gardener as well. Like he, we do a lot of vegetables and fruit and so on. So back in two thousand and five, now I I did have a small orchard. After we got married, we planted a few trees, but in two thousand and five, I planted a heritage orchard, which has um, sixty heritage variety apple trees. So um, they give us a lot of apples. But in the year gone out, 2023, I got an idea that I might bring my apples for juicing. So my son, Joe, loaded up his trailer one day, probably with a ton of apples. And he brought them down to Contrast's farm in Tipperary. And two weeks later, I ended up with 215 bottles of apple juice. So, Carmel, that's how the apple juice landed in your hamper.
0: Very good. And where can we get those uh, bottles of oh, juice? Oh, Carmel, it's all sold. <laughs> all sold? Congratulations well, you. Yeah, but, you know, there yeah. was... Yeah, but
1: it turned I was very happy with it. So, is yes. this something you're going to develop? Or probably, yeah. probably. It's and just It's just for family, friends, and a few local shops who are happy to take it. it. It's not going to be... Um, Hitting uh, Aldi or Little.
0: I <laughs> so never knows, Sheila. I yeah, never Yeah, knows. yeah, yeah. No, small scale. Small scale. Yeah, yeah. but it was mm. nice. Yeah, it's mm. certainly, you know, mm. something, again, another string to your bow, yeah. you know, into the mm. whole area of business.
1: Well, it was just something I felt I'd like to do.
0: So, that, of course, is a more seasonal thing. So when yes, absolutely. The come in to season, absolutely. Then that's yeah. just something you would venture yeah. into again. Yeah. So, yeah. Sheila, before we finish up, is there anything you would like to tell our listeners as regards your life so far in the kind of the skills you've developed where you'd like to see yourself go from here is it more into kind of community based or where does life go, what path is it going to take you do you think from here on in? Uh,
1: well, well Carmel, thankfully I've had a good happy life up to now and good health to enjoy it and I just wish and hope that that will continue and that I'll continue to be able to volunteer in the community and to live my happy retirement here in Kilcarry with my garden and Joe and enjoy my children and grandchildren's activities.
0: Very good, Sheila. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure, Sheila, to interview you here and we'd like to thank you very much for taking the time out and to welcome us to your lovely home. Uh, we would welcome your feedback on our podcast. You can email veteranplayersgroup at gmail.com. A very big thank you to our listeners. Keep an eye on Tony Gould Veteran Players' Facebook page for all our upcoming events and projects. And don't forget our publication, A Book of Contemporary Photographs, This Is Us. It's on sale in all the usual local outlets or from any member of our committee. Until next time, goodbye and take care.
1: Thank you, Carmen. Thank you.